Hi, everybody. We're back with episode six of the Fruiting Bodies podcast. We are joined today by our dear, esteemed friend, MJ, who is also a Portlander, a parent, photographer, and writer, leader in so many ways. We might cover all sorts of things. We may cover hilarious things and, you know, some like deep, important shit. So, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that and let us kind of dive into it. And Elon's going to be our lead host today and I'll have your back. Yeah. I'll have your you black. Have, you have my black. Not. You have my yeah. black back. You should also have my black. Thank I, you. Yeah, I, will, I will try. <laughs> have, have our black back. I'll have your black. My black back. Blacks. Welcome to the Fruiting Bodies podcast, an intersectional response to the mushroom boom and the next wave of psychedelics. We're your hosts, Becca and Elon, co-founders of Fruiting Bodies, a Portland, Oregon-based community platform dedicated to highlighting diverse perspectives. We are here to learn together, have tough conversations, and celebrate the leaders and creatives who are helping shape a better world. This show is for earth lovers, activists, and the mushroom curious. Come for the advocacy, stay for the contagious laughter. We're glad you're here. Let's get mycelial. And if you don't recognize that word, we got you. Come learn with us. The reason why MJ is on here is because MJ is an amazing person. And I don't say that about everybody, honestly, especially in Oregon. There's not many of us black folk in Oregon. And so initially when I first saw your account, I don't know how long ago, two years ago or more, because you've been in Westland for a, a minute in the burbs for a minute now. And I've been there for a minute. And I saw a photo initially of your son in like lacrosse gear. And I saw the WL on his little jersey. And I was like, there's a black little boy in Westland. And then later on, I saw like you attached to it. And then that you had been writing about parenting at the time. And so initially when I was like looking at you and into what you're doing, you're writing about being a parent to biracial kids. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, this is something I really want to look into because I date white men and I date all different types of people. And so from a black woman to have a white man to have kids is a position that not many mixed kids I found out are in because a lot of the times it's black fathers to white Mm -hmm. women. And so seeing you as a black woman in that other, in that other role, it was like, Oh, okay. She's doing something that I, you know, I I'm scared of doing because I'm, it's for me, what you're doing is like, you know, raising black kids in the, in the burbs as a black mama. It's like so (laughs) much behind that. And when I met you, I saw you in the dog park and I'm like, Oh, with our dogs (laughs) and our dogs the same age. And I'm like, Oh yeah. I'm like, I know you. So that was like, okay, I need to find out more. So I've just been following your journey and about your mental health status. You've been so open. And so I've learned so much about myself through like your posts and the things that you ask and the prompts that you ask people. It's like so self-aware. Even before I talk to you, like I need to find it, but I have like some screenshots of things that you like said and some of the the interactions with our community that you Mm -hmm. have done. And so I'm going to find them because they were really powerful to me before I even knew you. So I'm loving (laughs) this. I'm glad somebody read some of the things that I wrote. Some of the many things you write. So I just want to, you know, introduce people to talk a little bit about maybe where you're from, if that has anything to do with it. Obviously, of how we were raised, about your parents, all that kind of stuff. Let's, Let's get into you. 
Okay. <laughs> I am originally from LA. I was born and raised. I was born in LA proper. And then we lived in the Valley, which is the San Fernando Valley, but we call it the Valley in LA. <laughs> Uh, which is funny to say here because when people are like, we're in California, I'm like, the valley. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm adopted and actually my biological family just found me this fall, which is wild. I was adopted right after I was born. I've been in Oregon. It will be, oh my God, in May, it will be my 10th year of living here. Oh my goodness. <sighs> I love it here. I never want to leave. I came up here with my ex-husband, who's also my best friend. We have two kids together. And I didn't realize that the history of Oregon being a white state until about three years into living in Oregon because my kids are little. So I was very focused on that. And I didn't know the history of what it meant to be black in Oregon. Yeah. And so for the last few years, I've done a lot of educating around that. I've kind of moved away from like educating around blackness in Oregon and just trying to exist as a black person in Oregon. <laughs> yeah. You know, and everything doesn't have to be the struggle and realizing that I am so deserving of living well and trying to change that idea that black people don't go outside, you know, like I go to the woods all the time. I live in the woods. Yeah. I kayak and I canoe. Um, what are other outdoor things that I like? I don't like the yeah, outdoors that yeah, much. <laughs> yeah, no, you do. I camp and I hike. I go wine tasting. Yeah. You do that outside. <laughs> where, we, where we live is pretty outdoorsy. It's pretty outdoorsy. It's very outdoorsy. So, and to me, it's so normal. And it's weird when people are like, oh, you like to go outside. And I'm like, don't you like to go outside? Aren't you <laughs> the one who told me to go outside? And then I would be healed from depression. Okay. Yeah, cool. but why are you outside? <laughs> That's what, you yeah, inside? you know, you're um, supposed to be outside because you're black. What, and a what female. else did you ask me? I asked you about just being in Oregon and now that you've like have kids in Oregon that are mm -hmm. getting older and there's certain things that obviously are different from your childhood because when you're in California, you can see there's obviously a different type of, yeah. there's diversity. And when you come here and you're like raising your kids and all of a sudden there's things that you're noticing as being a black mother with black kids in an area that has traditionally and historically does not really, mm -hmm. it has not uplifted us at all. Yeah. So I'm sure that when the kids are getting older, my sister has gone through some things living in a, a neighboring town and her whole perspective on life changed once her daughter became, I think around three or four when it was an incident in the park where a grandfather was like not allowing their kid to play with mm -hmm. my niece kind of thing. The, just those, those little underlying things that are happening to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I think my kids are understanding of it which is sad in a way that i think it was when trayvon martin was shot we talked about that and they didn't grasp it right away but then when tamir rice was shot my son must have been like four and i like sat them down and we were road tripping down to california to see my family and we had stopped at mcdonald's and they were like playing in the whatever the play thing is at McDonald's. And I read this thing and I was like, hey y'all, like let's sit down and have a conversation about this. And it's weird to watch innocence leave your child, like parts of it. You're doing that in order for them to survive. 
it's weird when people are like, we don't need to talk about it so early with them. And my daughter came home from kindergarten one day and said, there's a boy in my class who looks black like you, mom. And he gets made fun of and they're nicer to me. And I think it's because I'm half white and I'm lighter. I'm kind of like if a five-year-old could recognize that, how are adults pretending that that's not real? Mm -hmm. And so it's been just part of my children's reality. And there are times that they're like, I wish I knew more black people. And I'm like, well, I wish I had more money to like move us out of here. But also <laughs> we would have to leave our trees. Yeah. And a lot of black people in Oregon are like, I want more black people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So raising mixed children is like, it's a trip when you're the black parent and they're your children and they get more privilege than you do. It's so weird. Like that just fucks with my mind. And like if my husband or ex-husband like go out with them, you know, they're like lauded as like, oh my gosh, what's that? like a good dad. And it doesn't matter. Your kids could be like white. You know, it doesn't matter what color your kid is. When a dad does it, everyone's like, what? When a dad does wow. anything, it's <laughs> exceptional. because You poured big. your kids cereal? <laughs> Amazing. Like, no, you show up. <laughs> oh and then you're like, you show up with the kids as like the black parent. I feel like that just weirds people out sometimes. My kids have learned to tune it out in order to live the way that they want to live. Yeah. But every once in a while, they're like, oh, I noticed this thing. And I remember I planned this march and we were walking and there was a cop across the street and my kids stood in front of me as if to protect me. And they were like, we're not as black as you, you know, and they like understand mm. what that means to have light skin privilege. Your kids were fear for your life yeah. because they yeah. knew you're that they know. Yeah. That this is They're like, history. my mom is black. My dad is white. He's fine. You know? yeah. <laughs> but my mom doesn't get that same privilege. And my kids just understand what they hold. Yeah. That I will never hold. And I see other things where I'm like, oh, my God so white children you know like today in the grocery store i don't know what we said to beck but he was like yeah like in compton and i was like shut up you don't even know what compton is like he's like you know on the streets and i was like shut up you know so nothing about these streets but yeah he's like this is my bit of blackness and i'm gonna be like i'm a and then i, know. I turned to my uh, ex-husband and i was like like he's got what does he know about Compton I like, was like I mean he has two white parents what do you think and I'm like shut up oh no no <laughs> I love it yeah. yeah but your your kids are like Becca's they're like so free hearted and it's because of your parenting and you being like an unconventional type of parent we talk about this all the time like that lets kids grow and like for you to be unconventional, let your kids know that, hey, no matter what I bring, she's going to listen to me. They're mm -hmm. going to listen to me. He's going to listen to me. Everybody's going to listen to me because the system that you've created in your household is supporting. And just you talking about your relationships and everything, man, and gender and all this. Your kids are just like, they know so much. It is so great. Like, they know more than I do. And they know more than so many of the kids mm -hmm. in the conventional and that it's like, obviously, their perspective is from more of a, a mature when it comes to certain things. Yeah. Like, they're not learning about the birds and the bees by waiting for the fifth grade <laughs> teacher to do the class. And it's their first no. time seeing it. For you, you're like, you're a yeah. human. This is what happens. This is a real world. Ugh. I love that. That talk is so weird. It the, was The fifth grade talk? Well, because we gave them <laughs> these books when they were like five. 
that was like where do babies come from and it was like very queer book and then how a baby is made and they were like that's cool but you know what i thought that that was going to help us no it is weird to talk to an 11 and 12 year old about sex mm. it does not matter what you do it is weird my son talks about penises and masturbating so much <laughs> i did not you. know how gross he was gonna get it was always poop and butts now it's like yeah my friend masturbated and i'm like i don't care like, I, I don't want to know but you're an open parent so you're I'm gonna so tell you everything and part of me is like why did you do that like, you needed to have a boundary <laughs> but like you know it's just like a oh are you yeah i love it it. (laughs) it's just like uh yeah and i didn't grow up that way i grew up very religiously i was homeschooled for the 12 years i went to christian college my parents were really private about like everything and i didn't have the space to ask questions yeah i wasn't told i could ask questions till college I was like, what questions would I even ask? I trust God, you know. (laughs) He'll show me the way. He'll he'll show me the way. (laughs) I don't know what he showed me, but (laughs) I've found my way. You're here. And I ask a lot more questions. And my kids ask a lot of questions. And I try to not do the like, because I said so. Mm. Sometimes I just tune it out because I'm like, not in the mood. Cannot answer those questions. But then it's like, mom, mom. Margaret, Margaret, (laughs) mom. And I'm like, I heard you. (laughs) Like, I can't be that like calm, patient parent all the time. Cause I live with these people. Yeah. It's a lot. Every day, all day they're there. We get to be real with them. Cause like, (laughs) they're always there. Yeah. You can snap on your kids. It's okay. No, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. I think when they were babies, I was like, I love my children. They're so great and precious. And I just so blessed. Now I'm like, those assholes uh, have the audacity to come into my bed all the time. What are you doing here? <laughs> and I'm like, can I please just have a moment? They're like, we missed you. Why? Yeah. You ignored me like 10 minutes ago when I gave you a kiss. So I thought we were done. <laughs> Your kids. Being a parent is wild. I live vicariously through you guys. So yeah. Like I, said, I love I kids it. too. I love them. I just want to squish them all. But sometimes I'm like, what have I done? What am I doing here? <laughs> there it goes. I was a nanny for a while, and that's how I realized that I really am not that fond of kids. Mm. Now I know I'm really fond of my kids. Yeah. I think he's super awesome, but like I really struggle with like, the idea of play dates or like hanging out with other parents <laughs> oh, and God. talking about parenty things. Like mm-hmm. I'm not like them. good yeah. at that. I just it's hard. I think work. that you know when I first was having kids, I was like, I'm gonna be part of a whole new sisterhood of moms. You oh, know, alternative parents. and we're all gonna and it was not like that it was weird and people are judgmental i feel like when i had kids it was like when blogging moms were like really hitting the scene and i was like oh my god i have to feed my kid this and this and then i got too tired having my kids are 15 months apart and i was like you know what no more reading these blogs we have to survive just eat we have to get through this day and then the next one yeah (laughs) and somehow next week I was really young then, and I think shutting stuff off like that was really helpful for my parenting because then I, I didn't become, like, obsessive. Like, so-and-so said, if I do this with my kid, yeah, 
Oh my God. You gotta do it your own way. And it's like non comparing to everybody else's parenting styles, especially like when you're struggling because somebody's gonna yeah. be like, well, this is what helped me. Not all things are the same. Yeah. We're not all able to help each other the same way. And that would lead me to like, you talked a little bit about postpartum depression mm-hmm. with us. Was that like when you were first learning about mental health and discovering yourself, was that kind of like the trigger you would say in mm-hmm. your life, the point where you're like, Okay, something's different. Are you mm-hmm. said your first or your second? My second. Your second. Can mm-hmm. you? So my daughter child was six months old. I got pregnant, had a miscarriage, and then we got pregnant right away with my son. I didn't feel that like, oh my God, my baby is here excitement. I felt uncomfortable, almost like I didn't want him to be there. I felt like he had invaded a life that like we had created. And, you know, I had had sexual assault stuff earlier in my life. And I remember my ex-husband was always like, I think that you should go to therapy, but I grew up a Christian. I was like, I'll just read the Bible. I'll just read the Bible through this pain, <laughs> you know? And I, it was that thing where like people who went to therapy were like crazy. Like, like they're broken. Yeah, like yes. they're broken. I am not broken, yeah. you know? And finally, after our son was born, I was like, something is wrong. And so I went to this therapist. I don't even know if she was good or bad, you know? It was just a nice to go be alone in it for an hour <laughs> with somebody who wasn't my family. Yeah. And I was like, this is really hard. And there was just this relief that came. When we moved, I stopped seeing her. I didn't really go to a therapist again until me and my ex-husband were separating and then he came with me. Then I stopped again and then I had like a really big psychotic break. And I guess maybe we were separated at that point, but I was still at the house that we shared and my best friend found like a list of therapists, sent them to me, called some of them for me. And the person at the top ended up being my therapist for like the last five years, helped change my life and helped me do a lot of healing around the CPTSD that I didn't realize that I had and that I was carrying. And this is all before I even found out that I had bipolar, but therapy, I would say has helped like save my life. Having space away from my everyday And sitting in a space that's like, this is for you. This is your gift. Oh my God, that was so special. I get it so excited when I have therapy. I'm like, yes, this is for me. I'm taking care of myself, my brain. And I look back and I'm like, I can't believe I kept at it. Because it can be really hard for me to be consistent. Like consistency is something I struggle with. (laughs) But therapy and my mental health has been probably the thing I'm the most consistent about. It's the most important thing to me that I'm working on myself and who I am is the most important. So, yeah, my postpartum depression has led me here. Thank you to my son. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for helping. Shout out to Beck. (laughs) That's great because so many people, like you're saying, oh, my gosh, therapy, I'm crazy. I'm going to be crazy. Like, especially within the black community, especially with black church community. It's like pray for everything. Let's have a revival. I talk about that quite often, how my mom was up in the middle of the night multiple times shouting to the heavens and, you know, something is wrong and just praying so loud that the neighbors were knocking down the walls saying, stop it. So I totally understand that, how the church puts a stigma. And so one of the things with freeing bodies that we want to definitely share with our audiences and definitely hopefully get 
pastors and people within the church to understand that, hey, this isn't going out and doing drugs and, you know, doing the devil's work. But like right now, by you not speaking up for this medicine is speaking against God's medicine that he's offering. Mm -hmm. I feel confident as a person in the church saying that in that kind of way. And I feel confident to saying that to any pastor and saying, hey, like you need to, not you need to, but it Yeah, you need to tell your congregation that there is help out there besides. And it's not just one thing. We can't just pray about it. We have to maybe go get massages, go get some chiropractic medicine, Mm -hmm. go get it's an all encompassing thing. Mm -hmm. And church can just be one of the things that help some of us, maybe not us. It can feed the spirit. It can feed the spirit. It's not enough, right? It's not. So my mom is someone who told me to read the Bible when I was depressed. And then, so crazy, a few years ago, she called me and she was like, I owe you an apology. I listened to this pastor talk about mental illness. And I guess he broke it down in a way that she was able to hear and take in. And she just like apologized. It was such a big moment because my mom has always been the really strict, really religious one. I love her, but she was not somebody who I thought would ever soften to things. And what I've witnessed is her softening as she gets older, when so often older people harden and they get really stuck in their ways. She's been open to my queerness and to my practice of non-monogamy in ways that I just like never expected. And there's like this pride she has of me taking care of myself. And so like what you were saying about going to the chiropractor and the massages. So my therapist and I started working on what are body things I can do outside of my brain to take care of myself. So I like get massages all the time and I go to the chiropractor. I love the chiropractor. I did not realize how badly my hips needed that. I was like, oh my gosh, I can walk now. (laughs) Oh, being 33 is a joke. (laughs) (laughs) It was so long to go, too. But it's like doing stuff like that matters, too. And I wasn't taught to do that. And that self-care is this all-encompassing, like taking care of the whole body and not just like a day off for my like wellness, but like, no, like you deserve the space and the time to take care of all of you. And especially when you're like a parent and you give everything everything to these tiny humans who aren't always grateful because they're like yes that's right I am self-centered which they are allowed to be and we are all self-centered but they haven't learned the healthy way to be self-centered they're like please give me more of your life essence parent (laughs) so my mom told me when I was pregnant she had said continue to do things for yourself because your kids are going to grow up And they're going to leave you. (laughs) And if you've made them your life, what will you have? And I was like, oh, who says that? Like, children should be my life. And she was like, no, (laughs) don't do that. Don't do it. So my kids are part of my life. Yeah. You know, I think as I get older, I get better about taking care of myself. And that my mental wellness is something that I can address throughout my whole body, who I'm interacting with, what I'm reading, where I'm going, you know, what I'm looking at, drinking water, (laughs) more water than wine, blah, blah, blah. But Jesus made the wine. So like, I don't understand why they don't even out. (laughs) I'm doing that thing that Christians do where they pick and choose from the Bible. And then you're you're repent before you go to sleep just in case (laughs) you die in the night. Because I used to do that. 
like oh, right yeah. before you I go to sleep because I don't want to die. The, no, okay. I just <laughs> we've all we all we've been all been there. We've all. I that. still do it sometimes. I know, me too. I'm, I'm like, I'm Lord, like, okay, if you are real, just... <laughs> just in case. Um, no, I talked about that. It was Passover. My husband, ex-husband, were having their religious conversation. I was like, I have to tell you all something. I still pray and try to accept Jesus into my heart most nights, just in case. <laughs> No. It's an insurance it's, policy. It's insurance, but it's, yeah. It's, so, you know, it may not be figurative. It may, it's a different Jesus, too, than what it may yeah, be in your I'm, mind. I'm honestly, like, banking on the Mormons being right, since they have, like, three heavens, and I just want to be in the lowest one. <laughs> one I'm of, like, one of them. I want to just be in the party one. Like, yeah. let's be real. I don't need to have my own planet. I do not want to be with my whole family. Like, unnecessary. What the fuck is that about? Oh, I do not need that. All right? Those, yeah, and all those houses. And just, that's so stereotypical. Like, <laughs> I'm like, you can live down the street in this heaven and I'll wave at you. But, you know, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to go to whatever hell might be, which, you know, I was talking about is just said to be complete separation from God. So no light. And I'm like, I don't want to do that forever. But I also don't want to, like, be celebrating forever. You know, like, when do you take a nap? I know. I, know. I remember <laughs> thinking when I was young, like, wait, so heaven is like an, a nonstop church service and just being so bummed out. And I remember asking my mom, like, are there Skittles in heaven? At least give Did me she that. Say that she were... said no. She's like, it's just like it's... a temple. And I'm like, oh, it's just a temple. <laughs> it was I feel like my mom was like, you can just eat whatever you want there. And I was like, Cool. Oh yeah, yeah when I was paradise. in heaven. Yeah, I'm doing whatever. It's, I'm doing whatever. I'm playing whenever. I'm just like You're I'm bouncing getting on there. the clouds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which would be so cute. Think of the cute outfits you can wear in heaven. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's just like your best imagination exploration. Yeah. Whatever you want. Valhalla. Do. Yeah. It's like all that. <laughs> So now that we've talked about like Valhalla and church enough, (laughs) one of the things that I want to talk about is with psychedelics and like the black community, do you have any ideas about how it can be safer for us? Because we're not everybody else. Mm -hmm. We're not the white hippies walking down the streets who get ignored, who can wear a psych. We can't even like sell weed. No, we, we can't, can't even be smoking weed. No, we can't. But other people can be obviously like passed yeah. on the street. And yeah. like, we can't even be with our afros and tie dyes without getting like <laughs> arrested. So do I. We can't do that. And with like psychedelic medicine and psilocybin therapy becoming legal in Oregon in a closed setting, a lot of people are like right now saying, oh my gosh, it's totally legal yeah. and all this stuff. And like, you're black, you need healing, so you should do it. And I have a way for you to get some of this and you should do it. And we're like, whoa, that's a very dangerous thing to say mm-hmm. for a white person to put a black person in that dangerous position, especially if you're outside of the state of Oregon where yeah. there's no decrim, especially if you're, I want to say in the South and you want the medicine because you've heard and you've heard fruiting bodies and all these different books. And you're like, oh my gosh, I feel like I really need this, but is it worth the risk kind of thing? And, yeah. and I'm not saying it's not worth the risk because everybody deserves access to this yes. medicine. And so one of the things we're going to keep talking about is like safety and like mm-hmm. part of harm reduction is mm-hmm. like not just consuming, but like it's everything around it. What do you feel about that with this becoming more, this is going to be a mainstream mm-hmm. thing. I think just in general that white people should not open their mouths and tell black people. <laughs> 
like that they should look into something unless they're aware of if that's going to be safe. And I think that's the problem is that so often, and I don't feel bad reducing it to whiteness because it is whiteness. Whiteness, you know, dominates everything. And for some reason everyone within whiteness is like cool like I can just tell this person this and this person and they'll be fine and that person's like actually no I was traumatized because those who hold whiteness aren't always taught to be thoughtful you know so I have a lot of friends out of the state and I've been talking to them about it and just taking psychedelics in general because now I live on the west coast I've only ever lived on the west coast so like that's what you do yeah you know and I talk to people on the other side of the country and they're like no is it weird and I'm like sure yeah but like it's fun it's good for you (laughs) but they're like well you know you live in a state with a lot of white people would I be safe doing it I was like I actually can't tell you if you would be safe or not So I will get back to you. But I've noticed so often that I have to ask that from white people. If they're like, try this thing, go see this like body healer. And I'm like, but will I be okay and safe? Yeah. Or are they racist in the way where like they're going to commit a bunch of like microaggressions? They might not like, and sorry for me being crass, like fucking drag me behind their car, you know, but they might say things that will be really harmful. And then you're going to feel bad and have your white guilt garbage. And then I'm going to end up helping you through your guilt, even though I'm the one who's been harmed. And so I really feel like if you have access to something like healing medicine and you want to be sharing that with people as you should, you got to fucking check yourself. And you have to make sure that if you're bringing someone into a space, that it's a safe space. It seems so simple. Mm -hmm. But like, I think when you're white and every space is for you, it isn't that simple. You have to actually unlearn and be like, oh, just because I feel good and safe here actually does not mean that my black friend will feel safe here. There's a lot of things that I don't like invite certain people to do. And I don't talk about it because I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's going to work for you. And I don't want to be like encouraging harm here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm friends with a bunch of fucking burners. Gross. Like, why am I friends with those people? (laughs) But they're always like. (laughs) That is what we come bring out. Yeah. They're always like. There's good ones and bad ones. Oh, yeah. I found I found the like melanated ones. Yeah. But they're not hanging out with white people in the desert. <laughs> I saw pictures and I was like, where are the whites? Like, why are there only white people inviting me <laughs> to their white camps? They're like, she's cool. She likes us. But like, She'll get dirty and dusty. I wouldn't invite anyone to like a burner event here in Portland. I would not invite a black person because they would be like, what the actual fuck? And I'd be like, I know, but these are my friends. I know they are. There are. We have to constantly. I have this them. thing where sometimes I'm like, I don't like some of my friends. They're so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love them, but sometimes I'm like, why do I have so many white friends? Yeah, it's they're like, doing some weird ass shit out there. Then I'm like, only a white could do that, right? Do you feel so, like you can say that to your white yes, friends? Yes, like, I do. Oh, absolutely. I love to say absolutely. things like that. I was telling somebody yesterday, if you're going to be a true white friend. To a black person, Mm -hmm. you're going to learn that 60% of our conversation Mm -hmm. and part of our reparations is talking shit about white people and the Mm -hmm. crazy shit they do. It's part of our like therapy. It's just like part of it. And it's not like a mean. Some people are like, well, why do you talk about white people this way? We can't talk about you this way. And it's like, this is like history. We've been doing this shit for so long. It's like 
therapeutic. The church people in the church are talking. We're talking. It's part of it. And so then as being, if you're a woke person, if you guys call yourself woke, if you're. So embarrassing. If you're, if if you are, (laughs) have done the work, you will know it's not a personal attack and it's not malicious and it's not separating us even further kind of stuff. Yeah. You'll, you'll laugh. You'll 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 be like, that's real. You're like, yeah, we do do that stuff. <laughs> like, like I we wish do I get about- to sell weed and smoke it and not go to prison. Oh my god, it's crazy! <laughs> Which is like, there are still so many people in prison. Yeah, yeah. So and the- like, <laughs> white people have weed magazines celebrating weed, right? They're like dancing in fields and like whatever white people do with weed. And it's like, whoa, what a gift weed is. And these fucking people try to like take care of their families and their communities and they're in prison. This is why anytime there's talk of like drugs, Mm -hmm. especially if it's like medicinal, I'm just like, you need to be so fucking careful because you do not get the same privileges that a white person gets. Absolutely. A white person gets to be like, I'm a healer. And a black person's like, I'm also this priestess. And they're like, get out of here. Yeah. Take your voodoo somewhere else. And it's like, actually, voodoo is a very beautiful, it's, like, religious yeah, practice. Yeah, if you even get to get that far, yeah, you because you, you'll probably be in jail before you have that title. And if they find out that you have that title, you're going to go back and they're going to keep yeah. targeting you. And it's just... I just remember, like, black and brown, you know, grandmothers who are these witches, right? They hold these yes. powers and being shamed. And now white ladies are all witches. And I don't know who told them that they could be a witch. I feel like they read a book. No, no, it wasn't a book. It was Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> There's an Amazon witch kit. Yeah. <laughs> witch starter kit. Crystal they went on Instagram. One white lady was like, I am a witch now. And I remember someone was like, Margaret, we're all witches. And I was like, look, I'm sure that I hold some power f- from something. I believe a lot of us do, but we are not all witches. Find like another thing to do, mm. you know, have an OnlyFans, be a witch there, you know, <laughs> like there's so many other ways for white people to express themselves without dominating and taking up space. Here's another thing that I'm like afraid they'll just be like, OK, well, we're all going to get healed. And here, black and brown people hear the like bits and ends of it. Mm-hmm. And here's the harm to go with it. Yeah. And while they get to celebrate, you know, being born again or whatever, which is like, I still just feel so much anger when I drive past hip weed stores. Mm. I just feel so mad (laughs) and like sad because like, how much does that suck to say like this black man in prison? Right. And you don't even know when you're going to fucking get out. And then these White folks are millionaires? Thriving. They're thriving, thriving with weed. While you are literally bleeding and cut. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's happens a lot. That's happened to me personally in my life with a, a certain person where it's like I'm beat down and they're like starting this company and oh my gosh, and I'm like, what in the actual? Like seriously? Like seriously? And when getting involved with Fruiting Bodies, Beck and I and other, other guests talk about it and like my why I have such a different hesitation and it's exact reason why you have it it's something that can't be understood unless you are in our shoes and Mm -hmm. you know every time i've been like associated with drugs it's like okay let's go to jail let's go to do this let's somebody something bad like happens (laughs) you're like i'll just go to jail myself thank you i'll walk myself (laughs) i got it (laughs) yeah it's like it's like so real and stupid it's like 
oh my gosh. And so like that has been like a big part of me being here and like learning to have a voice still and trying to tell people, hey, it's okay to think outside the box even a tiny bit and being a black face that is supporting that is like we're examples for everybody else. And so with that being said, it's like, even though I'm an example, not all black people can do harm to black people. I always tell people, hey, I'm not every black voice. We always say yeah. that we're not every black voice. And because especially in this space, it's a newer space. We don't want to say like, hey, because I'm black and in psilocybin healing that everything I say is true and correct. And, you know, from a place where I'm not going to get called out because I'm like, call me out. Yeah. Call me. I want to yeah. work. We're all learning together. To be held accountable. I, I always try to look at it like we see whiteness as a whole, but we've all been taught that white people are individuals. And that they're all allowed to have different thoughts. But when it's black people, we all have to agree. And if we don't, white people are like, whoa, well, this black person. And I'm like, well, this fucking white person said this. And they said this garbage. And they fucking said this. So what? What now? You can't use that logic. And my thing now is, and part of like me, my journey with like mental health is just like, I'm going to live well. I'm going to live the way I see white people living. Ten times that, like Kanye did. Yeah. Like, he, like he, was, he was just like, oh, I got this. Yeah. He was like, that white man's doing that. I'll go harder. Yes. You know, it's like, why would we not also get to heal ourselves and take care of ourselves? And so I spent a lot of money on being healthy because our health, like, it's not made important to us. It's not like impressed upon. It's like, go get your shots and go see your doctor once a year, if, if that. But, like, it's just not encouraged. It's not. And, like, white people are like, I had a therapy and my parents pay for it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I did that too, but I have to pay for it myself. Yeah, I need a daily, I want a daily practice want, and all like, that kind of stuff. Like, I deserve to take care of myself and not have to only be somebody to take care of everybody else. Yeah, with black women, like that you can't you it's expected it's for expected. you to carry so much and it's scary because you have to almost beg like please don't see me that way this is not normal it is not normal and we've normalized something that shouldn't be normal suffering is not normal mm -hmm. and struggling is not normal but like growing up right as christians it was like you have to suffer to yeah. get whatever fucking gift and it's like why was that a thing why was it a cult yeah, yeah, it's it so was, internalized. It's so problematic, yeah. you know? Like, yes, work hard, but you don't have to, like, die doing it. No. You know, like, you should have some levity and some joy. You should yeah, be like, pleasure is yeah. not a sin. Like, no. you don't have to, like, have so much pain to purify your mm -hmm. soul in order to be worthy yes. of, like, rest or joy or happiness. Yeah. You don't have to hurt yourself to prove that you are good. Mm. And my biggest thing with my kids are, like... What makes you feel good? What kind of revives you? What like replenishes you? Because let's do that as often as possible. Every day if you that makes yeah. you feel good, do it. Yeah. Like, put Naps. that in your life. Yeah. Nap if you need to integrate a lap. <laughs> nap every day. Masturbate. Yeah, I forgot about <laughs> masturbation last week. My work schedule was so <laughs> and and yesterday you, so. I was like, oh how exciting. I can <laughs> I love when that happens. I was like, oh, I don't have to just be about working and surviving. Like, I can pleasure myself and watch my favorite porn <laughs> and listen to my music and just dance and like be naked and, and like feel good for the sake yeah, of feeling. Yeah, light good. some candles yeah. and just 
like I someone canceled plans with me for tonight. And I'm like I'm so excited. <laughs> I had to go home you had to by go myself. Home. <laughs> <laughs> I had to like lay there and listen to music so loud and, and do like, nothing. Just chill. Uh, I have like a a small thing of champagne. It's like a personal size. I need a bigger one, but I'm trying to like cut back. It's just like out of control. But I have so much joy in loving on myself. Like one of my biggest self care things has been creating a relationship with myself and being like, oh, I can actually meet so many of the needs that other people can't meet and fill for me, but I was hoping that they would. Yeah. And here I've been all along. And that has been like probably my favorite part of my whole journey is like how excited I am to be with self. I used to be so afraid about being alone. Like today I went on a date with myself and I drank too many margaritas and like I was telling everyone in the restaurant, I'm like, I'm on a date with myself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, it's so fun. You should try it. And then tonight I'm going to like, hopefully maybe I'll sleep alone tonight, uh, which is cool that I also have this choice now to go to my own room. Like that was one of my health things too, was separating rooms with my husband. And and that was hard, probably more so for him. He felt like it was a separation, but has also seen how much I've just like gone to step more into myself. Yeah. And I just get excited to be like, when am I going to have time with myself? Like, and that's when I was like, maybe I will never date other people again because I just, you love yourself so I just much. Love myself, which is so cool. That's and so my cool. kids get to see that. Absolutely. And like my oldest is constantly like, one time I caught them looking in the mirror and I was like, What are you doing? They're like, Do you ever just look at yourself and you're like, Wow, I'm just so beautiful? And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm gonna do that too. And I spent some time oh, in front awesome. of the mirror just being like, and I talked to my psychiatrist about it, and I was like, Sometimes I feel bad that I'm vain. And then she was like, do you think people who are smart feel bad about being smart? If you're beautiful, don't feel bad about it. I was like, I love you. (laughs) She was like, why would it be bad to celebrate yourself and to worship yourself? Yeah. I was Mm -hmm. like, because I grew up where I could only worship Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. I know know that feeling. I was like, totally. It's like, you can't be cute or whatever because you're always trying to get something bad or yeah. it's something negative and yeah I've struggled with that where I'm like went from like one extreme always makeup and wanting to look hot and everything and now mm-hmm. I'm like I like my leggings I look like a hobbit whatever oh I love but, hobbits <laughs> I'm like a little I'm always in a you know dirty but it's like those moments where you get to make yourself like glow and shine people are like whoa where are you going I'm like this is me like yeah. this is just one layer of me like I can look like a thirst trap any second You're like I'm going to Safeway. Yeah. Where are you going? Yeah. I look good right now. I I do try when I go to the grocery store, but when I see my friends, I don't try very much because I'm late. I'm probably very late. Yeah. When I'm going to the grocery store, I'm like, I want these people to think that I'm okay. Yeah. (laughs) Especially if my kids are with me, I'm like, I want them to think that these children are also okay. Yeah, they're (laughs) well-being. That their mom is not falling apart. Oh, my gosh. So one of the things that we ask everybody is, like, there's a few questions since we're, like, kind of wrapping up. And this is can be on any any perspective. What is your dreamy dream? Like, Mm. I know, I love that. So what is your dreamy dream? And it can be about, you know, work. It could be about your personal growth. It can be about psilocybin healing, what you would like to see in Oregon with this growth. I mean, whatever you think. So my dreamy dream is I want to live on a commune. 
but I want my own house and I want a flag outside of my house. I tell everyone this. So when the flag is up, you're allowed to visit me. Okay. And when it's down, nobody, nobody can come over. Not even my sweet little boy who can't be apart from me. Like do not do not. But I want us to have like communal eating and animals and I want to hold all the babies but then I want them to Get go back, back. Yeah. and I want to come to my tiny house alone with my five dogs oh, absolutely. and just read you know I just want to read but like love all the people because I love people and I love community I just like really love myself in your own space in my own space so my biggest dream is like how do I live in community alone Mm-hmm. but like have the community but also have my alone time i am not trying to sacrifice that for living amongst a, too many people but i want to do that and i want to be thoughtful about it and i want my children to like have that because hopefully they'll have children because i really want to be a grandparent i'm just gonna adopt literally anyone's small children and be a grandparent at like 45 <laughs> which i could be i could be a grandparent oh my god that's right terrible now. I know grandma's right now. Your age. <laughs> but yeah, my dream is just community and maybe we'll have some therapists live there. That'd be cute. And some lambs. That'd be adorable. Slams it's slamming are... season right now. Too, so <gasps> you're, you're, that's why you said that. It's, it's oh, yeah, you're right. It's because I saw a lamb goat lamb. on. No, it was like they were bred together what? on Instagram oh, and okay. the baby was cute. And then you like switch to the adult and it has the biggest fucking horns. It looks like Satan. <laughs> and I was like, I, I kept sending goes. it to everyone and I didn't swipe through. And then someone <laughs> swiped through and made a joke. And I was like, I don't know what they're saying. I should probably go back and look at See it. what I've been sharing. And then I was like, oh my God. I'll send it to you after. It's a lamb go. Okay. But you're all welcome to live on, on my commune. commune. <laughs> Just Wait, everyone I, gets a house. Okay, yeah. yeah. I need my own tiny house there. So what are some of interests and hobbies or passions that you have that might surprise people that maybe you haven't, you know, you're out there with everything just like <laughs> I am and Beck are. So is there anything surprising about you that like, uh, give me like, what are those weird human tricks? No, sorry. No. <laughs> no. Um, well, I'm going to be getting a bass. So me and my girlfriend can have a band because she plays drums. She's so cute. Oh um, and I'm going to pick up piano again, but then we're also starting to make cheese. And we're also going to start hosting tea parties. Okay, I'm coming. I'm like, <laughs> Deirdre and I have the most fun. Like, we have so many hobbies, but also I collect wooden carved bears. Okay, I'm keeping that in mind. They're so cute! I'm a hoarder, so there you go. You I know. know, I'm like, I'm waiting for the day I drive by one of those places on the road, and I'm like, I would like the biggest one. Yeah. They're yeah. like $5,000, and I'm like, money's not no an problem. issue. Yeah, I need that. Yeah. <laughs> Trailer. But that's probably... Yeah, and, and I expect to make wind chimes out of shells oh, in like yeah. 10 years. That's my goal. Yeah, yeah. Those are all the things. That <laughs> I'm going to listen to your other things, and everyone's going to be having these great dreams where they're helping everyone. No. <laughs> and then their like secret talent is like, I'm a doctor. No, that's in no. another country and i'm like i love bears no that's me i'm like i just want to make shit out of dirt like that's yeah. me all the time and that unless i'm doing that i'm almost never happy unless yeah. i'm like making shit out of shit Ooh, shit. i like collecting slippers too okay collecting slippers okay <laughs> what, what makes a good slipper yeah. i don't even know I she, has, so she probably wears it. through them so oh, quickly i have a north face pair that i wear when i go camping the they're like one. little uh sleeping bags on your feet <laughs> Oh my god, they are so cute, and I got some from Ross recently that are like slip on. They're almost like slides, but they're fuzzy. Ooh. 
and I wear them out all the time. It's a comfort thing. I can tell. Yeah, it's like it's, you get home, you like I, want to take it off. And right, as you get older, you really are like comfort becomes so much more important. It really does. Than when you were younger. I know. Hot just has a different definition now. I'm like, if I'm comfortable, I feel so much sexier. Yeah. Yes. So, when you're like all strained yeah. and stuff, you're like, is this hot? Because like it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> that might look cute. So then here's our last question that we Thanks. ask everybody. And I love it. And it's, what does healing mean to you? Mm, I love healing. Uh, what is healing? So healing for me means stepping more into myself, knowing myself more and reacquainting myself with who I've always meant to be, that I've had to work through all of this stuff to get there. And healing just means a forever practice. Mm. And I, healing is also a gift. So that's what it means to me. I love that. And my wooden bears. Wooden bears. Wooden bears and slippers. Oh my gosh. That's all she needs to heal, you guys. No, she needs a lot more. Oh my gosh. It was so good having you. I know. You. This is so fun. I, oh, I mean, you're going to probably be back. Not probably. We're going to do other things because cool. there's so much to that I want to just pull out of you. And you have so much talents and knowledge. That's and like, nice. like we, we look up to you. Oh. You know, we really do. Like, you're at, like, I do, and I know Becca does, and so oh, yeah. it's like I've we're been waiting for this day. Yeah. Oh. And so we were like so excited to have you. I was so excited. I was like, finally, like yeah. what the hell? Yeah. Like when I saw y'all were connected, I was like, oh, and I haven't seen you in so long. So then I was like jealous that y'all are just Doing hanging out, you. and I'm like, wow. Wow. They're doing fun things. Okay. Just go to the dark park. Come on. You're part of the Fruiting Bodies community. (laughs) And so we're so happy to have you be part of the community. And we're happy to have your community come here and just spread it all. All like peanut butter and jelly. Into my commune. Yes, into your commune. (laughs) So thanks for having you. We love you. Thanks, Marge. Last thing, if people wanted to like connect with you or support your work or Mm -hmm. anything like that, is there a good way to do that? Instagram. IG. So, <laughs> IG. Oh, that's IG. the cool way to say at. it. Uh, so it's just at Marge Jacobson and S-E-N, not S-O-N at the end. Great. Yeah, we'll add that to the show notes. <laughs> Love it. Oh, thanks for being here. Okay, Thank everyone. you for having me. Until I feel next so time. special. Bye. You're very special. Bye. That's the end of today's episode. There's still so much to talk about. Want to collaborate with us or learn more about our discussion today? Visit fruitingbodiescollective.com or tag us on Instagram at, at fruitingbodiesco. We'd also like to thank our awesome hosts at Medicine Collective for sharing the beautiful space with us. You can follow them on Instagram at, at medicine.collective. Until next time, be like the mushrooms. Stay connected, transform dead things, and grow on your own timeline. <laughs> <laughs>